Welcome to the Sherlock Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Becky Hull, Tor Cardona, and special guest, Sarah Ann Macklin. Sarah is a model, nutritionist, podcast host, TED Talker, and founder of Be Well Collective, an initiative that supports mental health in the fashion industry. She's also currently in the midst of a 30-day challenge, The Great British Veg Out, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But anyway, welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We, as I said, we're going to talk all about everything you're up to um, a little later. But first, we always start our podcast with um, recommendations. I've been off for a few weeks. Like There was no podcast last week. George did the one before. So I am ready. I'm raring to go. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing all of your recommendations as well. So Becky, you've got a series to talk about. I have got a series to talk about. The New Dirty John on Netflix. And it's about Betty Broderick. I'm quite new to Dirty John. So I actually only watched the first one in lockdown. I've just got into this one, just finished it. It's got Christian Slater and Amanda Peet is playing Betty Broderick. And it is a brilliant cast. And I have to say, I still think the original is better, the first series. But this one is much more humane. So I don't know anything about Betty Broderick. Who is she? What happened? To put it simply, it is about a couple that get married incredibly young. They have lots of children between them and it just turns really sour and very public and very very bitter so is this new series completely different to the first series like different storylines so you don't need to watch the first series because they're basically two completely different stories and the first one is based around a man called john who fleeces older women but kind of centers on his relationship with this one specific family whereas dirty john betty is about betty broderick and her husband and kind of the downfall of their relationship and i mean when i say it gets sour it gets very very sour so the two are completely separate stories and you can watch them without thinking about the two it's just something you can dip into really easily and as i said it's very colorful really cool outfits you know that kind of 80s vibe high-waisted bleach jeans it's just like a good fun watch while being really intriguing and this is on netflix and it's on netflix yeah fab thanks becky so what about you yeah so i'm watching also a program about a couple similar to becky's but actually super super different and it's called catastrophe which is on channel four and actually i read about it in a really good piece that had the rate for the site i think it was kind of the series to stream on for od and it's so good i'm usually really fussy about comedy in fact i hate all comedy i hate stand-up and i'm kind of quite weird about that kind of thing but there's something about it it's really British it's really dry it's really sarcastic basically about a Irish um, living in London and this American comes over from business uh, to London they get together they hook up they have a one night stand and she gets pregnant he goes back to the States and then he ends up coming back when she tells him that she's pregnant and it's basically their relationship it kind of reminds me of Fleabag in terms of the tone and the humour but I didn't even like Fleabag but this is just something about it it's hitting the spot we'll talk about you not liking Fleabag another time (laughs) that's that's a kind of words we won't go into Um, but it's pretty it's Sharon Horgan isn't it who is brilliant so so funny and um somebody who has like found a lot of success later in life I remember reading an interview with her and she was kind of plugging away at comedy for kind of years and years and years and then catastrophe was her you know big break as it were Mm. and I think there's just something about the chemistry between them that just works so well and the episodes are only half an hour which really suits me I just haven't got concentration span for anything longer than that so I've watched a little bit of it I need to give it some more attention it's on 4OD you say yeah exactly thanks Sarah what about you have you been watching anything good recently reading listening to So I don't watch too much TV, so I'm not the best with reviews on Netflix or Amazon Prime and those kind of things, but I have been listening to a really great podcast. So it's with UBUR, I think, and the New York Times, but it's called Modern Love. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but they have quite a famous column in the New York Times, and it's all about different people's 
stories with betrayal and relationships. Um, they had a fantastic one about like living alone in the pandemic. I really feel like I'm part within that letter and in that story. Um, and you really delve into people's personal lives. And there's so many different stories. And the things that I love about this podcast is they're about 20 minutes long. So I always listen to podcasts when I'm commuting to and from work or if I'm on a drive. And so for me, they're perfect nuggets of just popping in and listening, being transported to somebody else as well for 20 minutes. So I love that. And there's another thing that I had watched recently or say more recently in lockdown called Shit's Creek. Have you heard about it? I keep trying to get into Shit's Creek because everybody raves oh, about it. I just oh can't gosh. get into it. People love it. I love it. I don't really watch much telly, but my brother was like, you've got to watch it. <laughs> but again, they're like 20 minutes. So I, I think I'm quite good with short, sharp bursts of things. Okay. And then my concentration goes somewhere else. But they're the two recommendations that I would say. And again, I'm like you two, I'm not the biggest comedy fan, but for some reason, Shit's Creek has, has really got me. It gets you. <laughs> um, going back to Modern Love, even if you're not a big TV watcher, you should watch the Amazon Prime adaptation of some of the best Modern Love um, stories. I didn't so know this, there wasn't that Yeah, so this it's came really out. Good. It's really it's good. It's really good. I think we must have talked about it on the podcast when it came out. They basically took eight of the best stories from over the years um, yeah. and did, uh, yeah, kind of television adaptations, again, with massive stars. So the Anne Hathaway one in particular springs to mind. That was also a kind of controversial one. She plays somebody suffering from a really severe bipolar. I don't know if you had that one in the podcast or, or read it, but... No, um, I've literally only found this in the last week. I don't know where okay. it That's the good thing about the Amazon thing is because each episode is different. You don't feel like you have to concentrate too much or kind of get like stuck in... Kind it's of it's like a series home. of essays as opposed to a series. You're not like episode. really invested. Exactly. Yeah. I think I watched them on a plane. They were good plane watchers. Mm. Speaking of planes, I was lucky. Well, lucky enough. I mean, I went to Spain two weeks ago, so it's lucky because I was I was able to get away. But I am now stuck in quarantine. This is the beginning of week two. <laughs> it's really boring. It did mean that I finally got a chance to read some books, which was really nice because a lot of people found reading in lockdown uh, really easy. Found they were reading a lot more, and I was in the camp of couldn't possibly read. I have read about three sentences in the last five months, just found it really difficult. So um, I have two recommendations, one of which is Bryony Gordon's new memoir called Glorious Rock Bottom. It came out at the beginning of August and it is her description of hitting rock bottom in terms of alcoholism and drug abuse and her journey into sobriety. And she kind of bills it as a manual to help other people who are on their sobriety journey I'm not, but I'm lucky not to suffer from any addiction <laughs> issues. But even as an outsider to that, it's so fascinating. And it made me think like, you know, when something makes you realize something that you've never thought of before. And it suddenly occurred to me how incredibly difficult lockdown must have been for anybody suffering from addiction issues mm -hmm. or anybody trying to overcome addiction issues. Like her journey was so heavily reliant on rehab and AA meetings, like so many people. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like if you were kind of on that mm -hmm. journey going through those processes and then that all had to stop. It must have been so difficult. So yeah, I felt kind of really enlightened from having read it. And everyone's familiar with Bryony Gordon and her work. And she's so kind of inspirational and real and normal and she tells her story which gets pretty graphic and pretty dark in a lot of places with such eloquence and so I really recommend it I also listen to it on audible I should say which again I talk about all the time but particularly for people telling their own stories I find really interesting I find it I hard for fiction love audible. Yeah. do you listen to fiction on it because I really can't but I really love it if somebody's telling their <laughs> life story yeah, I'm the same as you. The other book I have to recommend is Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, Heather and I, I said about too. four weeks, did you? About three or four weeks ago, we said we were kind of racing each other to the finish line for whoever could talk about it on the podcast first. And
And I started it whenever that was like a month ago, read like three pages, couldn't get into it. And then sat down properly to read it on holiday and read it in 24 hours. I thought it was the best book I have read in years. I don't know what you thought. I absolutely loved every second of it. I'm going to be really controversial and say I really didn't enjoy it. Oh my God. I just don't know how. I really could not relate to her, the, the girl at all. Like, she was not a character. I think I think it was really, really poorly written, if I'm being oh really my honest. God. Okay, so for um, those who don't know, it's the story, the fictional story of a girl in South Carolina, deepest, darkest South Carolina. She's growing up, the youngest of um, numerous children, an incredibly abusive alcoholic father, and one by one, all her older siblings and her mother, this isn't a spoiler, they leave her to kind of fend for herself. They live in these really kind of dark, murky marshes of South Carolina. And she grows up fending for herself and is known as the Marsh Girl. Concurrently with that story, it's 20 years ahead and there's been a murder. And again, this isn't a giveaway. It says in the back of the book that everybody assumes that she's committed this murder. But my heart has never broken for a character more in any book I mean like really I just a little life so... made me feel what this book made me feel maybe maybe I'm just How really cold but interesting. I read like two books a month in lockdown and that was by far the worst one I think everyone is so so different when it comes to books and I think what yeah. what I might love you might absolutely hate yeah it's so um, true I, I would say though what I did enjoy about that book because it was kind of the whole setting was so different to what I've read before like I've never yeah. read anything in South Carolina about that kind of community that was different for sure yeah it's written by an author called Delia Owens who and this is her first fiction she's a really highly acclaimed naturalist writer and and I thought that came across the description of the the marshes and the landscape and everything was so vivid and so beautiful but interesting talk well if you're listening please do um email our podcast email address podcast at shillux.com I'd be so interested to know what people thought we're going to talk about getting the glow now we obviously talk a lot about how to get the glow externally but it turns out that there are some products that you should be using internally that sounds wrong doesn't it <laughs> to get an inside out glow we wrote a feature on different shots smoothies and snacks uh, that are packed with collagen that you can use to get that inside out glow um, but I want to know I feel like I've got three kind of wellness goddesses in front of me so what do you do to glow from the inside out Sarah I'll come to you first so this is question I get asked a lot about skin health um regarding nutrition because obviously I'm a nutritionist regarding collagen products I have to say that evidence in scientific papers is pretty slim pickings if it makes any difference to your complexion at all but for nutrition number one thing I always say is water and especially when you're having a lot of alcohol that's a diuretic you're going to get more dehydrated so for me, water is number one thing to give your skin a really good glow. And how much water do you drink a day? How much do you actually recommend? How much do I personally drink? How much Both. do I recommend? <laughs> I am an absolute tea addict, herbal teas. But I probably drink, without being exaggerated, between 10, 10 and 12 cups of just pure herbal tea. Like literally. Oh my it's God. Just wow. And then I probably drink around 10 glasses of water as well. I drink a lot. Yeah, um, that's a good thing. But I normally say between 8 and 10 glasses a day. Okay. Is what you need to be drinking and if you're sweating or if you're in any air condition you need to be drinking more because that's going to dehydrate you as well so people don't always tend to right. think that but the other things i would say is having lots of oily fish that's fantastic for your skin and loads of plant-based foods so aim around 30 plant-based foods a week and the reason why i say that is because it interacts so fantastic with your gut health so the diversity of all the fiber within those plant-based foods is fantastic for your gut microbes and we know there's a huge link between poor gut functioning and things like such as eczema and skin disorders so we know that actually for a healthy gut it can really influence your skin which not a lot of people 
always connect the two. But a lot of people want a magic pill, and I'm just going to burst the bubble that there isn't really anything <laughs> Not a thing. magic pill that you can take, no. When you say have 30 plant-based foods a week, does that basically mm-hmm. mean 30 portions of fruit and veg? Yeah. I mean, it's not just fruit and veg. You can have things like nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really high in vitamin E as well, which is another fantastic antioxidant for your skin. But don't take that in a supplement form. Take it in a food form. Okay. Um, because it's fat-soluble, so actually it can do more damage than good if you're taking high doses because your body can't excrete it. But they talk a lot. I'm getting really sciencey now but about no, it's good. oxidation. <laughs> um, and that it basically really helps kind of formation of um, the barriers of your skin. And also things like legumes and beans, they're also within the plant-based foods as well. Um, and they count as one portion of your five a day. So it's kind Got of it. a variety of plant-based foods that we say, like the more diverse that you can get, the better your gut health. If you're just eating five portions of veggies and they're similar veggies every day, your gut diversity is still going to be pretty poor. Okay, I need to stop just binging rocket and... <laughs> Branch out of it. Carrots. <laughs> Rocket yeah. and carrots, bit of cucumber. <laughs> Tor, you're our resident glower. I'm looking at you now. I mean, you literally just radiate. It's so annoying. <laughs> what are your secrets? Tell us. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, when I say this, it's all going to sound so boring. But Sarah, like you were saying, some of it is so much common sense. Like, yeah, you used to drink a ton of water. I aim for about three litres a day, at least. Mm-hmm. As well as water, I mean, I would say omegas are also really, really important. I try and eat oily fish twice a week and take a supplement every night as well. Um, but I also am quite conscious that omegas are quite good for recovery. So lots of people don't like oily fish. So I think if you don't, I think it's really good to take a supplement. Um, and also there are loads of amazing vegan omegas on, on, on the market now, which is probably worth taking the if you're algae. vegan. Exactly, exactly. What does one do with algae? <laughs> you can take it so in a supplement. I would actually algae. encourage any vegan to take a omega omega-3 supplement because you won't be getting those long chain omega-3s that you can only get an oily fish so you might be getting omega sources in the shorter chains but you won't be getting the longer chain omega-3s which are essential for like cognitive functioning they make up the main component within our cell membranes just going back to algae is this like that's like pond algae yeah marine marine <laughs> algae, marine, yeah. marine that's a slightly nice way it. It. hence why you need it that's yeah. fascinating okay cool yeah. good to know but that's um, all that, that's also in things like seaweed is that correct sarah yeah but it is a different type of form things in seaweed are really high in iodine as well which is also what we're really lacking in this sounds glib but i mean it genuinely seriously can you get a seaweed fix from you know like those itsu thins like does that count or does it have to be a purer form i would have to look at the nutritional quality on the back of that but you would be able to i mean it depends how it's processed sure but you should be able to absolutely if it's just seaweed then you'd be fine on the subject of greens i've been taking this supplement i actually have it here because i knew i'd forget to talk about it and it's by nature's plus and it's called organic ultra green juice and it has basically just loads of amazing green things like marine algae seaweed chlorella irish moths and all these funky things anyway each serving has the equivalent of more than 18 servings of fresh fruit and vegetables wow i find it quite misleading when people put on their products like this is the equivalent to this many vegetables a day because you're also missing out so many important factors of that vegetable as well that you might not gain from a supplement. I feel like that's why it's called a supplement, isn't it? Because you're supposed to supplement, supplement. your existing diet with those things. There's oh, a no, perfect no, combo. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and also in terms of getting the glow, I think vitamin C is really, really important. You can take a collagen supplement, but as you say, Sarah, they're not all kind of created equal. But vitamin C supports your natural collagen production. I think omegas and vitamin C are my two go-tos. And I take a liposomal vitamin C every day, which I think really good for you. Okay. Nice. Thanks, guys. Um, okay, well, if you are interested in learning more about the nutritional values, then obviously you can head to Sarah's website. But then additionally, Tor has a regular series all about supplements on the Sheila's Instagram account and on the show. So do keep your eyes peeled for that. 
We're going to talk a bit about sugar now. Sorry, if we're not on health kick, this probably isn't the podcast for you. But we wrote a feature on 15 ways to cut back on sugar, whether it's to sort out uh, your up and down moods or high blood pressure. We could all do with taking a bit of a break from the sweet stuff every now and again. So, Becky, I'll come to you first. What do you do when you need to cut back on sugar? How do I go about it? Well, yeah, what do you do? Not very well, to be honest, because <laughs> I have a massive sweet tooth. But in all honesty, actually, reading through this list a lot resonated with me because I am quite strict on cereal because that is something that I've always been told has very much got hidden sugars. And I do think how you start the day with food, well, for me anyway, really then has an impact on the rest of the day. So if I was to start off with something quite sugary, that then just that's it for me. So if I'm going to cut back, I'll definitely make that switch in the morning. Morning, even if it's just like a, a boiled egg on a bit of rye which is bland but sometimes or just like you know a bit of egg and avocado on toast I would rather do that and then set my day off that way and then you don't get those sort of sugary craving things throughout mm-hmm. the day that's something I feel anyway so for me it's about starting the day off right mm-hmm. and also I never ever have salad dressings or any form of dressing I've always been really strict on that and actually it's not even because I'm trying to cut down on sugar a bit it's probably the way I find easiest I've never been interested in it and I've never been someone that likes to make up a dressing to go with things but I know what you mean in in terms of eating everybody's got to have their rules and some people obviously have more than others but there are certain things like I'm like that with fast food like I could sit and eat like I don't know 30 bags of Cadbury's or something but I would just (laughs) never ever ever touch a burger or go to McDonald's that's not even like a cheat meal for me it just wouldn't even enter into my equation of me too I just would not do it the same as me and I think that's where I've never been someone that's been like right I'm going to cut out all sugar because I think really if I feel the need to do that then I'm not keeping it balanced enough so for me it's just about regulating it as much as I can and yet certain things like that don't appeal to me so I've never kind of had that situation but I would say my biggest thing is to start the day off right and not go on like some sort of sugar craze because otherwise that's it I'm a wipeout adding on that it's basically the longer you can hold out in the day without sugar the less then you have if I have my first piece of chocolate at two o'clock then I'm going to want some more as the afternoon goes on but if I wait till five well then it's nearly dinner time Sarah what are your tips um for cutting back but without going cold turkey without me sounding like that demon nutritionist that like you can't ever eat sugar i don't think that you can ever cut sugar out fully out of your life because if anything you buy from the supermarket has sugar in it but this is what i think i find the most stressful as a nutritionist but when i see clients and like i'm eating so healthily like why am i not losing weight and actually what you see is that technically they're being marketed into eating healthy but actually what they're eating isn't healthy at all so there's so many products within our food shelves that we go and pick up thinking that they're this healthy alternative and they're not at all. And I think that's the thing that's so misleading to so many people. So things like breakfast bars, healthy juices, we're meant to have seven cubes maximum of sugar a day, which is around 25, 30 grams. And we're having three times more than that. And that's without people kind of necessarily going to have their sugar fix. That's within things such as, you know, your MS soups can have double your amount of your sugar intake in a day. And people are thinking that that's really healthy or they're having their breakfast bar and that's got double the amount of sugar in for your whole day. And so this is where the whole like misleading comes in. And I would urge if anyone's really into looking to reduce their sugar intake, go on to actionforsugar.org. And they're the ones who work a lot with all this kind of things. And they show you really good tips and tricks of how to swap out. But things like low fat yogurts, they're normally the first ingredients of sugar within them. 
things like your apple juices, your orange juices, or even like your Joe's juice, you know, they will have triple the amount of sugar for your daily dose. And these are all these like health products that are sold to you as healthy. So I'd always just be really aware that if the sugar is one of the kind of four first ingredients in the back of any list, be aware that that's probably going to be the loaded with sugar throughout your day. Try to have a really good protein breakfast, which you said as well, which is fantastic. Kind of helps stabilize your blood sugar levels, stops reducing your cravings. As soon as you have a craving, it's because your blood sugar is normally dropped. So the first thing your brain wants to do is be like, I need a spike and I need something from a quick source, which is like a high GI food that's normally sugar. But then it very much quickly drops again. So it's trying to keep yourself balanced on good proteins and good fats as well and slow releasing carbohydrates, which will really help manage those sugar cravings. And water, again, I keep saying it, but like water <laughs> is fantastic to help reduce your sugar cravings. And be aware, like, I don't know if any of you got into this, but when sweet potato brownies start to come out or loads of desserts that were cooked with dates and dried fruits, dried fruits is one of the highest sugar foods you can eat. So when all these kind of healthy, I say that in context, brownies were coming out, they've actually probably got more sugar in than your normal brownie. But mm. people think that because it's from a food source, it actually has no difference to your body. But biochemically, dates and white sugar, your body doesn't see them as different. Biochemically, they are the same. And I so guess I they're healthier for you in other ways because there's no additives, that kind of stuff. But it's just on the sugar factor way, that it's so much worse, right? Yeah. So in a way, like people say, oh, I'll have loads of argyle in something as opposed to white sugar. But I mean, it might have a few more vitamins and minerals, but at that small dose, it's not really going to do anything for your body. And it doesn't say, oh, it's argyle sugar. It kind of says, well, it's biochemically the same as white sugar, so it's going to do exactly the same process in my body. Mm-hmm. And your liver can only process so much sugar, so it will just turn to fat anyway. So I just Got say, it. like, if you really fancy a brownie, have one and just enjoy it. And, and make it a proper brownie it. as well. Yeah, make it a proper brownie and have it. <laughs> enjoy it. And then literally you, you probably won't want one for the next few days because you've yeah, satisfied so that craving. Noted. Tor, I'm interested in where you stand on booze because... Can we call that your Achilles heel when it comes to sugar? (laughs) How do you make sure that you're kind of keeping your sugar maintained whilst, you know, still enjoying the weekends? Well, I think it's all about balance, isn't it? And during the week, I am so strict about what I eat and what I drink. And I'm really, really good. I'm very active. I'm very aware of like everything you could possibly be aware of. But I'm also about balance. And I think to maintain a sane mindset, you do need to have a few drinks in the weekend. And I, I do enjoy that. I think obviously goes without saying never have full fat tonic i know slimline tonic is full of sweeteners and whatever crap is probably bad for you but you are saving yourself a ton of sugar mm-hmm. um so i'd always have um slimline tonic and vodka is kind of my go-to i like wine but i think i'm more of a bubbles kind of person and i love a kind of a dry carver or champagne so yeah that is my achilles heel <laughs> um any other tips for uh, reducing your sugar intake yeah, I think stevia is really good. So stevia is a sweetener, but it doesn't spike your insulin in the same level as kind of agave or other sweeteners that Sarah was talking about. So I think that's a really <laughs> good one. Um, so, for example, when I go running in the morning, my body is craving sugar as opposed to like eggs and avo and things I probably should be eating. So sometimes a protein powder that's um, a vegan, kind of very clean one that's sweetened with stevia mixed into my oats or whatever gives me that kind of sweet kick without spiking the insulin and kind of giving me that craving kick that I kind of fancy. All right, well, for more tips on cutting back on sugar, then have a look at the feature on the site. We're going to talk now about beauty treatments or tweakments, as we've 
dubbed him. <laughs> Surveys show more than half of us are keen to make subtle enhancements uh, to our face bodies and whatever else. So we wrote a feature on the new tweakments that you can have done uh, for a little bit of self-improvement. These include everything from cool sculpting, which is the new FDA-approved non-surgical treatment for fat removal, to keyhole surgery for bunions. Who knew that was a thing? Um, so I want to know, have any of you had any of these treatments? Are you tempted? What would you get done or what have you had done? Becky, I'll come to you first. Did you put this feature together? I did put this feature together because treatments are on the rise massively. I also think people are becoming a bit savvy about sort of certain treatments. And I think they want something that's there, but not so visible that you can sort of pick it out in a crowd. So hence the feature, there is a lot coming out. And in fact, you'll see more treatments come to the forefront over the next year. But we've spoken about this before. A hugely popular one is non-surgical nose jobs, because now people can use hyaluronic acid to smooth out ridges, bumps, uneven texture and tone. And the benefit of it is it's completely reversible. So if it goes wrong, unlike, you know, for, for instance, a typical nose job, if it goes wrong, you can reverse the effect. It's just not really obvious. It's not really in your face. And I think it's just something you can do to feel good about yourself without everybody having to know. And I haven't tried any on this list, but if I was going to do one, it would be cool sculpt. So this is like lipo for 2020. It's lipo for 2020, but it targets really stubborn fat pockets. So if I was going to have it done, I would have my stomach done. Because if I'm honest, it's for those areas that no matter how much exercise you do, you can't shift it. Like how they say you can't spot target fat. This is, you can spot target fat, basically. You can spot target fat. And I know somebody who had it done and she said that the results were so incredible that she honestly couldn't believe she'd never sort of stumbled across it before and it's an odd thing isn't it because I'm sort of torn in, the, in one way I think you know you should embrace these things and it is what it is and then there's the other part of me that thinks if it's really giving you that feeling every time you put on a bikini or whatever then you know that it's an option and you know that it's very minimally invasive and at most you sort of feel a bit of a tug yeah I think if you've that got an insecurity it. and you're going to feel better by fixing it then fix it so Becky what exactly is cool exactly. what is the process so it's done with a gel pad and a vacuum applicator and it sort of works to hug the area with a cooling plate and really gently sort of targeting cells. And then once it's removed, you just get a little bit of a massage to break down the cells. And then over time, it sort of depletes basically the skin in that area. And it can be used everywhere from love handles to thighs and on your double chin as well. Genius. And is it expensive? It is quite expensive, yeah. yeah. It does really vary, but what I would say is never, ever go somewhere that is cheap, or if you think it sounds too cheap, then just don't go there. And I've actually put at the bottom of this feature a big list of disclaimers and things to take note of because anybody can do these tweakments. You don't even normally have to be certified. It's very risky, so make sure you're doing your research. And if it seems too cheap, then it probably is too cheap. Tor, where do you stand on tweakments? I'm all for a good tweakman, I have to say. <laughs> and actually, a couple of weeks ago, I had a Vizia scanner, and I haven't had one for ages. And it basically what is scans. That? It's kind of a 360 scan of your face. I've had that. It, yeah, it gives you like 10 different images of your face. And like, one is your UV damage, one is your redness, one is your pores, and like, one is your bacteria. Anyway, my UV damage is understandably quite bad because I'm so pale. <laughs> and weirdly, it's particularly bad, concentrated around like the bottom of my eyes and kind of where my crow's feet are. And it's just so interesting because... That's where I do get really, really red. And anyway, I'm now on a mission to sort this out. And actually, that's where I'm kind of sagging a bit and losing a bit of volume. So I am quite tempted to get a bit of laser. Now, Becky, have you heard about the Endymed laser? I've heard of it, yeah. I don't know too much to fill us in. 
Well, I don't know too much either. I need to look into it. But apparently it can like reverse the aging so much in your skin. You look like three years younger. It's not like dramatic, but it kind of just gives you that little kind of edge without having to have filler, which I really don't want to have. And so what does it do? It lasers out any sun damage or it lasers out wrinkles? It basically kickstarts your collagen production at such a deep level. Um, so I think you have to have like a course in because obviously with your skin cycle, it takes a while to see results and you have to kind of sure. keep it up. But apparently it's incredible and you can have it all over your face as well. There's a, little, like a tiny wow. bit of downtime, but yeah, it's something I really want to look into. If anyone's listening, has had it done and wants to feedback, let me know. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. And also we'll, we'll put a link to the treatment in the podcast notes as well. So um, you can find out more about it. Sarah, you said you also had this face scan done. Yeah, I, I had it a, a year ago and it was quite surreal to actually see like what you're going to look like in five years time and the damage. <laughs> but one thing I have had from here, it's a hot cryo facial mm-hmm. made by Riley do them. And yeah. it's such a thrill. So I'm somebody that I don't have that many treatments because I get really freaked out by treatments on my face. I always feel that when I've had facials, I always come out of spots. But when I had this facial, it's the first facial I literally left and my skin was glowing and I had no breakout. And I swear it's the cryo on it at the end, which completely like it just like fills your face. So what is it? It's <laughs> a normal it. It's a normal facial and then they apply what super, super cold needles, is that right? So the one that Sorry, I had, busy. it might be different to this one. You go through a lot of kind of LED and then at the end they do like a cryo for ten minutes on your face. And that is that's also it's a super cold. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super, super cold. But it's the only facial that I really found that worked on me and that well, didn't give me any breakouts. And it's really good for, for inflammation, isn't it, Becky? Really good for inflammation. And I think it's the point of it is it also, because it's so cold and cooling, it reduces your downtime dramatically compared to other treatments. So any redness or anything like that is automatically taken down straight away. I'm all for an old ice cube from the freezer. If I'm feeling a bit tired, I just get an ice cube idea. and run it over my face. And it makes such a difference. Well, so I, difference. I keep my Omar Avitsa, um rose quartz roller in the fridge. Uh, yeah, And I mean, I love that on my eyes if I'm puffy. But you can do the same with teaspoons if you keep teaspoons in the fridge and if your eyes are puffy and just put them on the back of your eyes delightful yeah treat treat and you know free i haven't had anything on this list but i will get the non-invasive nose job done at some point just go for it charlotte it's just really expensive it's 600 pounds i'm a bit like oh could buy a coat instead of the nose (laughs) all right well for more information on uh, the different tweakments that you can have done uh, then have a look at the feature on the site let's talk about walking obviously Less of us have been hitting the gym than normal. Uh, But it turns out you don't have to run in order to get fit. You could just take up walking instead. We wrote a feature all about why it's really so good for you. Tor, tell us, why is it so good for you? Well, I love this feature because I'm a massive fan of walking. And on the days I don't run, I always try and fit in a nice walk, which which has been particularly nice in lockdown when we all needed a bit of fresh air and just to clear the head. But yes, studies have shown that a fast, brisk walk done that like not just kind of ambling around but like get your heart rate up kind of just about to able to hold a conversation is just as good for you as running and it will boost your fitness so it's so it has to be a high intensity walk though right you can't just go for a really long stroll i mean you can go for a really long stroll but you have definitely have to be like at quite quite a quick pace um and if you have Mm -hmm. a heart rate what it should kind of definitely be above 100 110 120 130 in that area so we did uh we did some quite intensive walking when we were out in mallorca because it's a bit too hot really in spain in august to be doing any other form of exercise but with all that eating and drinking uh, you need to do something so we're making a habit of kind of waking up early going and doing a long walk and coming back and then my husband wears a garmin watch which is um, a watch that gives you all sorts of data which is actually incredibly irritating if you think 
were out for a nice stroll and your husband's just monitoring the data. But anyway, it, it was very interesting to find out that an hour and a half walk burnt between 400 and 500 calories for us. I mean, we weren't kind of ambling super slowly, but we also weren't on a kind of power walking mission. So I found that really interesting, quite how much you can burn with that. Definitely. When I do my longer kind of power walks, I go for like an hour and 15, hour and 20. That's about 8K. And yeah, it's about 450 calories. So... Yeah, it's not yeah, bad. So it works. Uh, presumably, there's also something to be said for the fresh air. Definitely. And be, being in nature is so powerful. It sounds so corny, but so many studies have shown that being around green areas and just being outside can reduce your cortisol levels. So yeah. we all need a bit of that right now. It's true. Becky, you love a walk. I was literally about to say I practically joined the bloody Rambler Society in West Sussex. <laughs> so this is very a bit good news for me. Yeah, I do. And all jokes aside, I love hill walking. Which I'm assuming if you throw that into the mix, I'm hoping I'm getting my calorie burning up. <laughs> um, but I am really pleased to hear this because I do think sometimes I've, I put at the beginning of lockdown a lot of pressure on myself to exercise. Whereas now I think if I know that I can get out for a walk and you can yield some similar benefits, then I don't know. That's just a nice feeling, isn't it? To know you can go out and do that and still be getting some good results, both yeah. mentally and physically. Yeah. I have some dumbbells that I bought at the beginning of lockdown and I'm kind of building up the courage to go for a walk with my dumbbells. Oh, that's very, um, I don't yeah, know, very West Palm Beach of you. Yeah, <laughs> Miami. <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking when it, maybe when it gets a bit darker and I can kind of hide in a hat or something, but I'm just, it's I, too bright now. It's quite like Jane Fondery in my head, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I'm okay with that. She's go, cool. Go for it. She is yeah. cool. You can obviously buy ankle weights and you can also now buy wrist weights. So you could do the same thing. You could apply your wrist, which look, you know, are like weighted bracelets and there's no reason I you couldn't just walk I did someone do that the other day. Although in the piece, it does, the expert I spoke to said you shouldn't wear ankle weights because they can put pressure on your ankle and kind of too okay. much strain. Wrist weights, yes, for sure. Okay, mm. good. Uh, Sarah, are you into walking? I love walking. It's definitely a, like a more therapy side for me than mm-hmm. a fitness, I feel. Like most of my holidays revolve around hikes. Even last week, I went to, I mean, anyone living near Surrey or London Way, Fox Hill is a really good walk. And I left, and I think it was the nine mile or the eight mile hike around Box Hill. And it was great, like packed to pack lunch and just went for the day. And you just feel completely free. I think that's what I love about it. I love being in nature and I grew up in the countryside. As much as I love London, it can get too much, especially in lockdown. Whenever I can't come to a decision, I'll go on a long walk. And the Great British Fair that I'm going to talk to you about, hopefully at the end, I came up with that on a, on a walk where I went for like four and a half hours. And do you walk by yourself? Creative ideas. Um, no, not, not, well, sometimes I will, but most of the time I'm normally walking with friends or my family. Whenever I come back to my parents, we always do a big, big, long walk. I also feel really guilty if I like get my phone out to check it on a walk. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I'm like, oh my God, this is so not for now. Like if I find myself, I don't know, often my husband's chasing after the dog and so I like refresh Instagram and I'm like, no, this is awful. So it's good time away from your screen as well, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, it's brilliant. So Charlotte, I know you said you were walking in Mallorca, but do you kind of walk a lot back in London or? I didn't at all. I actually just really don't, didn't really like a walk very much before. Uh, but obviously now we have the dog. A, it's, it's kind of forced us into walking, but B, I've now discovered all of these merits of walking since having the dog. I think in the past, because it doesn't come all that naturally to me, it felt a bit like, why are we doing this? Whereas now, we've got a purpose. And also seeing the joy that it brings the dog is so lovely. Like that actually makes it, you know, worthwhile. And also how knackered it makes him for afterwards as well. That also makes him worthwhile. And actually it's been really fun kind of discovering new places locally to us to walk and to kind of take him. So it's actually, it's given us a new kind of lease of life. And also it does mean, it used to be for me that it was like, 
intense exercise or nothing because either I went to a class or I didn't. Whereas now I've got this kind of regular in between, which is really important. So yes, I'm pleased about that. Well, if you are um, interested in more ways that walking can improve your fitness, then do have a look at the feature on the site. Sarah, we're going to end by talking a bit about you. You are currently in the middle of the great British veg out. We've touched on it a couple of times. Tell us more. Okay. Well, I say we're in the middle. We've just come to the end of it, but it doesn't mean that you can't stop it. So I started it, it again. I was on a long walk and I remember a lot of people saying to me, like, I just feel like I'm, I don't know, I've got really bad fatigue and I'm eating really badly. And there was just no motivation. And then people were literally saying, I'm just feel like I'm vegging out constantly. And so this idea came to me of the great British veg out. Only 28% of the UK population eat five of their five a day. And we know there's like a huge link between poor diet and burden of disease and chronic disease. So I think a lot of people can find vegetables quite tricky to cook with, quite boring, quite expensive. So I wanted to create a 30-day challenge, which basically allowed people to download a free resource and to challenge them to have five of their five a day. So I created 30 plant-based meals and weekly shopping lists. All of the kind of thought process is gone and with zero food waste. So everything that you buy will be used. And are they recipes? Are they ideas? Kind of how does it work in terms of 30 days? Is there a meal plan for the beginning of the week? Like what's the vibe? So when you download the pack, you first will get a lot of nutritional knowledge and information. A lot of people are not really that sure on what counts as one of your five a day and the portion size. So you might have five vegetables on your plate. They might only be two of your five a day because the portion size is smaller. So what we do is kind of map it out exactly what is the portion size and what counts what your portion size is. And then you get weekly shopping lists and then each meal is around one ninety nine. So it's very accessible as well. And you can get all of these ingredients in, in any supermarket in the UK. And then every day you have a new recipe just showing you new ways to cook that include vegetables that you maybe haven't thought of before. Um, and also like how many portions of vegetables are in that one dish. So when you leave the 30 day challenge, you're a little bit more aware and knowledgeable of you know, how you cook these vegetables, how you can be creative, what counts as towards your five a day. But also, hopefully, it makes you feel a lot better and it naturally just squeezes out the bad stuff. What's your favourite recipe in the pack? Oh, that's really hard. I'm really obsessed with hummus. It's definitely like a staple in my diet. So there's a lot of hummus recipes. The first one, which is the red pepper hummus with a really beautiful pea and mint soup, is one of my favourites. Mm, but also, the Mediterranean halloumi salad is a really good one. Ooh. And the aubergine curry. Oh, they all sound delicious. Yum. Yeah, but they're, they're really good. And the smoothie, which is veggie based, so it's very, very low sugar, but it's got loads of mint in it. So when it was at 35 degree heat, mm. I basically lived on that smoothie because it just felt so refreshing. <laughs> refreshing. But it was just yeah, I full bet. of like green vegetables. So it didn't taste like a green smoothie. It didn't taste Dream. really bitter, horrible, chunky okay. green juice that a lot of people didn't <laughs> like. Sorry, tell us about um, your podcast, Live Well to Be Well. This is off the back of your initiative, Be Well Collective, right? Yeah, so the podcast is called Live Well, Be Well, and it basically has a very similar premise to our not-for-profit organisation, the Be Well Collective. Every week I interview somebody, whether it's somebody of influence that's gone through their own mental health journey, mm -hmm. that's very relatable and allows people to not feel that they're the only person going through this. So someone like Victoria Pendleton spoke fantastically on our podcast all about her struggles with depression and her mm -hmm. eating disorder and how she's kind of come out of it the other side and you know her personal journey and then we will normally follow up with an expert within a different area within mental health so you always feel like you've got some expert knowledge also as well as a relatable person to listen to so That's that right. as the premise of our live well be well podcast is that we try and hit both sectors we try to give evidence-based knowledge without any of the myths we do a lot once on pseudoscience 
So a lot of things that you might read aren't necessarily always true. So we try to have some great doctors and nutritionists and dietitians um, come on and talk about the truth of it, as well as you know, really influential figures as well, talking about their own personal journeys. Love that. Um, okay, and the 30-day challenge is, as you say, it's over. You can still download it. What are you up to next? What should we be looking out for? Oh, what I'm up to next, so the podcast is still going. That was a kind of a lockdown thing mm-hmm. for me, and I've really enjoyed it. So that's definitely still going. 30-day challenge, we are looking at maybe starting another one. But this one, we want most people to still get involved with if they haven't downloaded it yet. I'm still doing my clinic as well mm-hmm. on Harley Street. I love my clinic days. Um, as well as still doing a bit of modelling as well. So it's, it's a it's a busy time, but there's a lot going on with the BWAC Collective as well. As you can imagine, the charity sector has been hit quite hard with the pandemic. Mm. So we're working hard to kind of make sure that our support is still there on a daily basis. Amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for more information about Sarah, then do follow her at Sarah Ann Macklin on Instagram or check out sarahannmacklin.com. Uh, if you have any other feedback at all, please do email podcast at sheerlux.com. We love hearing from you. And don't forget also to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. Bye-bye.